You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about that weird feeling when you can't figure out why you're reading a particular book. You're like, where did this come from? Why am I'm, I reading it? Am why I am I keeping this? on reading it? What is <laughs> happening here? Uh, have you had this? Let us know. We're going to get into it. <laughs> but first, what are you reading, Bria? Mallory, I read the best comic book last night. I, I saw you, this on your Instagram story. I was immediately curious. It's the trade paperback version of God Country, issues one through six. But it's, you can just get called, it's called God Country. It's by um, Donnie Cates and uh, Jeff Shaw's illustrator. And it is, wow, listen to this wheelhouse that it's going to cover for me. It is about a family who, uh, it's basically about a son and his dad who's older and he has um, Alzheimer's. And it's, it's being, it's very hard on the family. And then a tornado, it's, oh, it takes place in West Texas also. A tornado hits this town in West Texas. And um, when it does, this evil creature, giant creature comes out of it. And so they're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And then the dad with Alzheimer's shows up with this giant sword that talks and it and defeats it. And he suddenly has his memories back. And the whole comic kind of goes into uh, the, once he has this sword, as long as he has the sword, is in possession of this sword that is sentient, um, he can he has his memories back and he's super, he can, like, fight these demons. And, of course, there's this whole group of people who want the sword back. And in the meantime, he's trying to, like, make amends with his family for the things he didn't do before he got sick. It is so moving. I was—it's going to be made into a movie, uh, but it is—it uh, was great. It was really moving, but also, like, had a giant sword and a lot of fights. <laughs> and so it was, like, all the things really that Really moving my also has giant sword is yeah, a great like, wheelhouse. Like, hard on your sleeve, but also fights with, like, people who live in some sort of hell dimension. I loved every minute of it. Um, it was great. What are you reading, Mallory? Uh, I have a perfect book for people who are looking for some weird, creepy shit. Um, this is a book that just came out this month, I think. It's Jawbone by Monica Ojeda. And it oh, is trans- I, just got, I just ordered this from the library. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, it's translated by Sarah Booker. And if it's translated by Sarah, you know it's got to be oh, good. It's going to be great, yeah. And this book is so strange and cool and the, if you were a person who likes in language is your reading doorway slash pathway this is a book for you because the language is really strange and cool um it's about this uh teenage these teenage girls they're all friends and uh they end up getting sort of involved in you know they as teenage girls do they just end up getting involved in weird stuff they get up to trouble and they end up, they like hanging out in this abandoned building and they end up wanting they they start doing these weird rituals and um their lives end up becoming kind of entangled with their one of their teachers who is like very very close to a like a complete mental breakdown and she's going through some weird stuff like the book literally and this is not a spoiler the book opens with one of the teenage girls and she wakes up and tied up in this cabin and the teacher is is the one who has her tied up and has like a gun to her head and it's like we're gonna talk about what you did and like that's the opening page and it is it's so strange it's so creepy it is um just like a, a truly unique book it's something i've ever i haven't read anything like that in a while um 
So if you really like weird fiction, if you like uh, stories about like teenage girls getting into trouble uh, and doing kind of weird, violent things, uh, this is a great one for you. Uh, So that's Jawbone by Monica Ojeda and translated by Sarah Booker. And mine is God Country by Donna Cates with Jeff Shaw as the illustrator. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback about magical food books. We got a lot of emails about magical food books. Love that. Wow. Uh, Lisa wrote in to say, I am so happy I found your podcast. I've been catching up on past episodes and was very excited to see that apparently there is a whole genre about magical food. The discussion reminded me of a book I read in high school called The Particular Sadness of Lemon Cake by Amy I Bender. I also read this in high school. I also read this in high Interesting. school. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't remember exactly what the impetus for the magic was, but essentially a girl develops the ability to taste the emotions of the person who made the food she eats, which leads to a lot of insight that she's not always prepared to handle. I have been enjoying adding to my ever-growing TBR document with you. Thanks for what you do. This sounds, I think I might put this on my library holes list. This sounds really good. Yeah, I read it a long time ago. It reminds me, this is nothing like it, but there's that comic um, where the guy solves crime. Yeah, solves crimes by... Do we talk about that on the magical no. food book? Where, yeah, the guy solves crimes by tasting people when he eats Yeah, because I don't know if I'd call that magical food. <laughs> he eats people, then he's able to solve a crime. Um, but I remember loving this book in high school, but it has been a long time since I've read it. So, yeah, Lisa, maybe I need to do a reread. Alice wrote in and said, I just finished listening to your episode about magical food. I love books about cooking, baking, and food, especially when magic is involved. My recommendations would be With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo and Eat and Love Yourself by Sweeney Boo. With the Fire on High is a YA book about a teen mother who struggles to find herself while caring for her daughter. She also happens to make magical food that makes the eater feel what she felt while making the food. It's a heartwarming book. I love that. Eat and Love Yourself is a graphic novel about a woman with an eating disorder who picks up some chocolate on a whim. However, it's no ordinary chocolate. Did I write this? The more she I was just going to say, uh, is this a Bria book? The more she eats at the bar, the more she learns to love herself. Y'all, I'm ordering this right now. Eat and Love Yourself <laughs> is an example of graphic medicine, comics about health, which I'm personally obsessed with. I've never even thought of that as a genre, but I like it. I'm listening to the show. Sorry, I keep adding in my own Bria-isms. That, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I've been listening to the show since the beginning and absolutely love both of you and Sean, who I miss coming on the show. Keep being inspiring and wonderful. Sean, we all miss you. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about trying to figure out why you're reading a particular book, we're going to take a quick break. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself. Oh, that is really important. It is important. You can't love other people if you don't love yourself, Bria. Yeah. I, look, therapy is very important. Mallory and I talk about therapy all the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people. We'll buy tons of nice things for our friends and mm-hmm. really cute notes. But how often do we give ourselves that same treatment? Mallory, how Not often? enough. Not enough. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. I always say that Going to therapy, I think, was the best thing I ever did for myself. That's, like, probably second to learning how to read. Wow. (laughs) Read and then therapy? Maybe maybe it's, maybe it's like, a tie. But it's it's pretty up there. I mean, really, therapy has made such a huge difference in my life. I have been in therapy almost total, like, without break since... 
I think 2015, mm-hmm. so seven years. It is really, I, I, I always, like, for people who are nervous about therapy or nervous that it's going to totally change you or they're going to, therapists are going to force you to do things you don't want to, it really is just like going to the gym, but for your brain. It's just, you get as much out of it as you put into it, and it's not anyone changing you. It's you learning how to be a better you. So BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, but you're welcome to do the video. I do love the video. I video, I FaceTime with my therapist every two weeks and it's great. He loves it because he's like, I get to see everyone's cats and dogs now. Yeah, that's nice. And also BetterHelp is much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Which is, I mean, it's like overnight shipping, but for your mental health. (laughs) So you you can give it a try right now and see why over 2 million, 2 million people, that's a lot of people, have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Reading Glasses listeners, Glassers, listen up, you get 10% off your first month. So not just your first session, but your first whole month at betterhelp.com slash glasses. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash glasses. 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 Hi, I'm Janet Varney, and just like you, I survived high school. And we're not alone. On my podcast, The JV Club, I invite some of my friends to share the highs and lows of their teen years, like moments with Aisha Tyler. But when you're a kid, the stakes are just pretty low. Go to school, try not to get in trouble, get laid. Jamila Jamil. I watched television probably every waking hour during that time when I was shit-faced on medicine. And Dave Holmes. We talked and talked, and then everybody left. It was just us two, and I was like, I love you. Learn how you too can be a functioning adult after the drama and heartbreak of high school. Every week on the JV Club with Janet Varney. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a judgment-free show. This week, we've all had it happen. You're in the middle of reading a book that you don't even like that much, and you think, why the hell am I even reading this? Where did this book come from? Why does this happen? And how could we get it to stop? Where did this book come from? (laughs) (laughs) Was it even printed somewhere? Did I just, did I conjure it? It it happens. It happens. You're like, did I get this from the library? Was this a gift from someone? Bria, Mm -hmm. has this ever happened to you? Yes. Yes. It often happens with the library hold where I get it and I start reading it and I'm like, why the hell did I order this book? This is not <laughs> in my wheelhouse. This is not, I don't know. This is, this is nothing. And I also, I have some real existential moments with this where I'm like, why am I reading it when I know I don't like it? I think it comes back to that a lot too, where I'm like, I, I think I ordered this for a reason. I knew I wanted <laughs> I'm going to get really into like, but I think I was like, oh, this is something I would like to read, I think, or I want to be a person who has read this book. I was just going to say, so you I want to be the kind of person it. who wants to read that. Uh-huh. And I just keep going. And I'm like, there's something about this book that is compelling me to finish it, even though we say to drop a book, but I'm compelling it to fit. I'm compelled to finish it, but I don't know why. And even there was something I've never cared about and I still don't care about, but I'm like, I got to finish reading this book for some weird reason. Um, yeah, I've been in this in this state 
There has to be a word for this state. But what? what yeah, what last week we talked about specific words. We need to figure out a specific word for this fucking state of being. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Does this happen to you? Yes, and same. It's usually a book that I've had on hold at the library. Yeah. Uh, I'm very fast and loose with my library holds. Yeah, so same. I put a lot of stuff on hold on a whim because, like, I heard someone recommend it because I saw it mentioned in a newsletter. I saw it on Twitter, et cetera. And then it comes in and I start reading it and I don't really like it. And I'm like, what the hell? Why am, why am I reading this? Where did this come mm-hmm. from? Why am I mm-hmm. reading this book? But so, Bria, what do you think causes this? It's not because obviously it's not the pro- the problem is not library holds it's something else what do you think this is i i think it's i think it's that that like what i would like to be as a bria you know like what do i want aspirational reading an aspirational bria instead of this is who i really am as a bria and then i i start reading the books that i don't necessarily like and will never like and it's more like yeah it's aspirational reading it's i think i'm reading this because i want to be a person who would like this book or gets a lot out of this book or picks up a 700 page book and is like i can't believe i got through that book but really at the end of the day i'm gonna i would much rather read a novella because i want it to be finished um (laughs) i don't know what do you think causes it for, this is and this is like a very personal Mallory thing. It's, for me, it's because I barely ever read jacket copy on books. Ah, uh, yeah. Most uh, of the time, uh, I do not read them at all. I'm so ridiculous about spoilers that I like to know as little as possible before I start reading a book. The only downside to this is that I end up do like DNFing, do not finish like do not finish books a lot. Uh, once I find out what it's about, like I'll pick up a book because I just think it like the cover looks interesting or I like the author. Or I saw someone recommend it on Twitter. I'll, I'll get it and then like two chapters in, I'm like, I don't even like this. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to put it down because, and, but, oh, and that's okay. And I think that part of the reason why it happens so often with my library hold is because that's what the library is for is, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you're getting this book for free and you can, uh, I can normally books that I buy are in pre-order are books that like I, an author that I love, a book that I know I'm really going to like. My library is where the experimentation happens yeah. <laughs> or I'm testing out new author. <laughs> Sounds much kinkier than it really is, but I, it's where I'm testing out new genres genres, new authors, whatever it is. So it, it, um, and I will say for just as many, for as many books that I end up putting down, I often find books that I really like, new authors, new, new series, whatever it is. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, but I do want to say, and we've had a bunch of people write in about this. Mm. One possible explanation for this phenomenon is there's this trend that's been happening in the publishing world that, and I've been seeing a lot of articles written about it lately. There was actually a whole thing. I think it was some, sometime last year on Twitter was like a whole, it was like the main, main subject for Twitter for that day. Uh, that jacket copy, which is the description of the book on the back or on the flap um, is getting more and more vague. Um, mm. Lots of books now just get a very vague description of the plot that is more about like how good the writer is, how powerful slash bold slash, you know, synony- insert synonym here, the story is, and that's it. And of course, this is designed to sell more books because mm-hmm. it seems more broadly appealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it le- can lead to you being excited about how good a book seems to be and then you read it and it's not about what you thought it was going to be about. Is that something that's ever happened to you? Yeah, for sure. Because I don't mind spoilers, but you're right. I mean, I think these descriptions are often a little deceiving, but also I just don't do a deep dive into what the books are about usually. I just am like, oh, someone said it was good. It's in a genre I like. I will often find myself halfway through a book and then I go and I read the blurb. Like, I'll be like, is this, what is this book about? I've been reading it for like so, like like three days, four days. Yes. I don't know how many days. And then I'm like, I'm going to go read the blurb. And I'll read the blurb and I'm like, whoa, is it, this is what this book is about? I, You know, because like sometimes I'm like, I, I thought it was about this and I'm going to see if it's going to change. 
Um, but then I go read the blurb and I'm like, why the, f- I didn't mean to be reading this book. This is not what I thought this book was going to be about. <laughs> Get this book out of here. <laughs> I would, yeah. Yeah. But definitely that book blurb helps and hurts sometimes. I will say like, yes. I don't often read it before I start a book though. Yes. I, if it's on my list, I'm like, well, I must've put it on here for a reason. Yes. But I, I, I rely too heavily trusting. on past Mallory. I was going to say, I trust past Bria too much, which I'm going to say uh, past Bria is not reliable. Like, she makes decisions, puts things in drawers that don't belong there. <laughs> um, also, you know, I often talk about this, uh, this experiment uh, where they give kids a marshmallow and the kids that can wait are better at— Okay, this is going to—you know this experiment— it's an, it's an I'm making a very confused face for the listeners. I know. Okay, there's an experiment where they give, they put a marshmallow in front of a kid, and they're like, don't eat this marshmallow, because if, if you don't eat it, when I come back, I'll give you two. And it, it has something to do with um, uh, impulsiveness and whether or not you can hold off for, like, the better thing, you know? Yeah, it's um, being, uh, this specific term is basically, be like, you know, reward assessment or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I just want to let you know, Bria as a child and Bria currently would just eat the first marshmallow. <laughs> there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing in the world that could keep me from eating that first marshmallow. I just don't, and I really think like, yeah, that's the past Bria I'm dealing with is like, I know me. I was eating that marshmallow an hour ago. So I have to understand that that's who I am as a person. Because <laughs> I'm the past marshmallow eater. <laughs> <laughs> Did I get too deep? I don't know. I'm not deep. Did I go off the rails too much? <laughs> no, I, I, the, the funny thing is baby Mallory would be the opposite. Because I, I was the kind of kid who was like, no, I can never use this sticker because this is such a good sticker that I will save it forever. I won't eat this marshmallow because I'll have to wait for the perfect moment and I might get more marshmallows down the line, which also is bad because it ultimately led to me not eating the marshmallow or not using the sticker. Yeah. I would say stickers are a different thing. Stickers are a whole category. Hold hold on, Mallory. Stickers are a whole different thing. I'm not going to use the best sticker (laughs) first. Like, (laughs) that would be, that's just, that's that's chaotic evil there. Like, I can't. (laughs) You got to hold that sticker. Um, anyway, do you read the blurbs? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, I ended up, I don't read jacket copy. What ends up happening to me is that I rely on the blurbs. So like okay. all I need to see is that a book is chilling or scary uh-huh. or has a fucking haunted house haunted. Or, or has uh-huh. ghosts or something like that. And I'll put it on hold and that can be really hit or miss. Um, or if I see like, um, if I see Paul Tremblay blurb a book or if mm-hmm. I see Helen Oyemi blurb a book or Jeff Vandermeer or something, like I'm immediately like, oh, this book is probably going to be spooky. I'll, I'm going to put it on hold. I don't need to know anything else. Um, cause I will say there is nothing better than picking up a book you don't know anything about and it ends up being amazing. It is like all the gold at the end of the literary rainbow because you're yeah, just sure. like so surprised and you don't know anything yeah. that's going you feel on. Like you found a diamond in the rough. You're like, where did I? You I found, found a marshmallow this, in I the just, rough. I just, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I Which, discovered this author. I should, someone should give this person a book deal. <laughs> <laughs> But it really, you do feel like that. And then like you feel so fancy and you just want to tell everybody about this book. But as I said, I strike out a lot because sometimes I'm on the flip side, I'll be picking up a book that I saw, you know, said chilling or scary or whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is not what I wanted at all. Why am I even Mm -hmm. reading this? 
but it's okay. I think ultimately because it helps me get better at dumping books. Um, I also, something I find I get caught by a lot is, you know, those like elevator pitches, like books being described as this meets that. And it's fucking not like either of those yeah, things. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I've said this before. I really wish publishers would stop using like Shirley Jackson meets X when they just mean this is a scary book and a woman wrote it. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, so why am I reading this book? Oh, right. Some fucking liar said it was like Shirley Jackson. Jackson, when it is not at all. <laughs> That's what the blurb should say on the front. Like, Shirley Jackson meets blank from some fucking liar. Some fucking liar. <laughs> it is, and I get it. It's it's because very often, and this is like a very specific Shirley Jackson thing, and I had a publishing friend who's very close to me originally, like, try to explain this to me. Now people know Shirley Jackson from Mike Flanagan's Haunting of Hill House, which has nothing to do with the original book at all. But because it, like, is now in our cultural conscience, like, that consciousness, like, that now people, that is communicating to people, especially people who don't read a lot, like, oh, this is scary. This is a scary book with a haunted house. This is, like, it's scary and a woman wrote it, which is fine. But for the Shirley Jackson connoisseurs of the world, mm-hmm. I get caught all the time. And the same friend was like, yeah, but if I can work, you bought the book, didn't it? And I was like, damn it. Mm-hmm. You're right. I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I get caught like that and it bu- it bugs me. Um, and oftentimes I'll be, like, there. there's times where I've, Read, I've seen books like that and I'm like I ended up liking it but a lot of the, half the time I'm like why am I reading this book oh some mm. fucking liar someone <laughs> said it was like Paul Tremblay someone said it was like <laughs> Annihilation someone said this thing trying to sell it and it fucking worked and I bought it and it has nothing to do with that at all yeah, also stop it. There's no book like Annihilation. Get out of town. <laughs> oh my God, there's so many things that are like Annihilation means this. And I'm like, do you just mean this takes place outside? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> there's plants involved. It's kind of weird. It's a little weird. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there are other books. Like, and I, I mean, and this is clearly because we both fucking love Annihilation in that yeah, series. But um, yeah, I, I think, I do think, uh, marketing people can be sort of to blame for this but they're also at the same time look they're successful we're all buying these books and reading them yeah and they have to find something that people relate to they're not going to say it's like some book that five people have read so kind of makes sense. And, a lot, and again a lot of the even with the vague book de- jacket descriptions it's for people who don't read as much and they want to be as broadly appealing as possible to get someone to pick up a book and it works clearly it fucking works but for the rest of us where we get caught and then we're like why the fuck am I reading this so folks if this happens to you trust me it is happening to a lot of us you can uh Tell us about it. Send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we solve a reader problem, we're going to take a quick break. Bria, you know who does a lot of microdosing? Who? Which, first off, seems very funny to say a lot of microdosing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of writers and artists microdose. Uh, It's totally... Totally true. I've heard about microdosing. Yeah, if you search around on the internet, you're going to find all sorts of people are microdosing, and they're not just doing it to, uh, you know, the the idea of microdosing seems like something that you do with a lot of tie-dye, but most people are microdosing to feel healthier and perform better. So that's write better, make art better, relax better, uh, sleep better. Uh, Our show today, as you might have noticed, is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. 
Yeah, and these they these actually taste good. They're gummies. Who They're doesn't gummies. like a gummy? Everyone loves a gummy. Get I, everything in a gummy. A vitamin gummy, microdose gummy. Yeah, everything. A candy gummy. Candy gummies. <laughs> the OG gummies, just straight up candy. You can use them to get into the creative work zone. You're going to do a little writing sprint. You're going to write all afternoon. Maybe you're going to do a painting. Maybe you just want to go to a museum and kind of relax and mm-hmm. like take in some art. They're a great way to get creative or maybe to help you wind down, help you go to sleep. They're just a 10 out of 10 for the people who use them. Yeah, I, I tried these in a couple different ways. I tried them um, post powerlifting because there's a lot of powerlifters I know that use uh, both THC and CBD to, um, to recover and unwind after their workouts. And I had a great experience. I also, if you listen to the show, you know I have uh, a lot of insomnia. Uh, so I tried using this to help me sleep and had a really great experience with that. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdosegummies.com and use code folks. You know what the code is. You know what I'm going to say. It's glasses. Glasses. You get free shipping and 30% off your first order. That is a large chunk off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdosegummies.com. And that's the code glasses. 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 We have wasted this world. Our magic put a storm in the sky that has rendered the surface of our planet uninhabitable. But beneath the surface, well, that's another story entirely. In a city built leagues below the apocalypse, survivors of the storm forge paths through a strange new world. Some seek salvation for their homeland above. Others seek to chart the vast undersea expanse outside the city's walls. And others still seek, what else? Fortune and glory. Dive into the Ether Sea, the latest campaign from the Adventure Zone, every other Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Michael writes in, longtime listener here with a question. My wife and I both completed master's degrees in medieval history. Congratulations. We kept all of the books associated with those classes, but after 15 years, we accepted that we were never going to need the books outside our own interests. We went through the bookcase and pulled out about five boxes worth of books. We don't know what to do with them now. They are pretty specialized books that wouldn't have much resale value at either a thrift store or a used bookstore. The best use we think would be to get them to someone else who could use them for academic purposes. Failing that, a library that could fill out their medieval history section beyond general audience books. We are located in in a city with several universities and a large library system. Any ideas on how to get them out of our garage? Bria, what should Michael do? Man, the getting out of the garage is a real tough, Mm -hmm. tough thing. Um, I will say, I feel like the Glassers are going to have a good uh, idea for this, and maybe you have a good idea, but I'm going to say, Glassers, if you know of a place that needs medieval uh, history books, like, please write us, because I feel like some Glasser is going to be like, I know the place. Um, it's kind of hard. It can be hard for a library or university to take your books, but you could always try. I mean, I, for, I'm like, what it, my ideal for this, um, for Michael, would be, some student group slash message board slash chain for medieval studies students or something. Um, you could get on and offer up these to some sort of new student who doesn't want to buy 
you know, the thousands and thousands of dollars worth of books you have to buy for college. Um, I don't, I'm sure that exists, but I don't know how to tell you to access it. I wondered if you could contact an old professor to see if there's a place at the school where you could drop off these books, like some sort of central office. I feel like, like when I was in American studies, if if there had been like a pile of books where it was like, these are free, I think American studies students would have taken them if they were all in the genre or in that, um, uh, uh, in, in the stuff that we we're studying for our classes or even just in that world in general. Um, so, I, th- I mean, that's two ways to do it. This is a tough one because it is very specific. I mean, what, what do you think, Mallory? Uh, I mean, it really depends, I think, on how much trouble Michael wants to go through. <laughs> I mean, honestly, because they're so specialized, a used bookstore actually might want to buy them or take yeah, them. I, I, yeah, you may be right about that. Personally, I buy very specific history books for my research all the time. And honestly, same thing with a library. Um, you know, depending on if you want to sell or donate them, I'd make some calls to the libraries around your city into some bookstores. And I bet you could find someone to take them, especially if you're living, you know, Michael's living in a big city with several universities. You know, these are very specific um, books. Uh, they're expensive. A library might want to take them because, you know, they would be expensive to buy. But it would involve, um, you know, making calls. Uh, because <laughs> <laughs> is that a big deal? I don't like being on the phone. I no tr- one tr- under the age of forty does. Yeah, I do. I I Jeremy me roasts a, me all the time. Give and me so, a phone. I will do it oh. for you, Michael. I love calling and dealing with bureaucracy. Bria, that's one of Bria's superpowers. I would. I will rather, call anyone. I will call anyone on the phone. <laughs> I would rather walk into traffic than me. I don't even like picking up the phone. I but keep my phone find, on. Can I just tell you? Like, don't you find? You can get a lot more across because if you're writing an email, I feel like people come across as rude or short. It, it can happen. The- but at the same time, I also don't hear super well. So I have a harder time on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But also, but yes, I, there are so many times Jeremy's like, Mallory, you could solve this problem in five minutes if you yeah. just call. And I was like, I would rather yeah. walk into the sea. I am yeah. not going to call. So does he um, call for you? Oh, all the time. Yeah, he should. That should be his job. That's my job in our relationship, <laughs> our relationship too. Yeah. Every, in every relationship, there's the phone caller. There's the phone caller, and I'm the phone caller, yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I would, you know, make some calls to the library. Um, and see, see if you can find someone to take them. And if you don't feel like making a bunch of calls, if you are me, um, lots of used bookstores will just take boxes of donated books with no question, and you can just drop them off. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want to use them, they will recycle them, but you won't have to worry about it. So just Mm -hmm. there's like, I know in Burbank, there's the Iliad and you can drop off books there. Um, I don't know what city Michael is in, but uh, I'm sure there's a used bookstore that will just take drop-offs. Yeah, for sure. And I think also, I know Michael spent a lot of money on these books, but we will free you of having to do something very useful with them or making money on them or what, or giving them to the place that exactly needs it. If you want to just drop them off, you can be done with these books. Yes, like we you're allowed. you of all you, your book guilt. They have done the work that they were supposed to do for you in your life, and they have, and they can go on to become free books at a bookstore. They can be recycled into new books, or they can possibly, you don't have to give them to someone who will use them as much as you did, which I know you want to, but don't feel like pressure to. I mean, the important thing now is they're out of your fucking garage. Yeah, that's, that's the really thing. the goal that's here. That's really the <laughs> hardest part of, the hardest thing to do. Yes. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Time to answer a recommendation request. Lori writes in, 
I want to respond to your discussion of ASMR and if people who enjoy it can read to it. During stressful times of my life, I have trouble falling asleep in silence, but podcasts and audiobooks keep my brain too active, so I love ASMR for helping me fall asleep. Perhaps as a result of me getting used to ASMR sounds meaning sleep time, I could never read to an ASMR video, I'd fall asleep too quick. But this does bring me to an episode or recommendation request I've been wanting to propose for a while. I'm the type of person who likes to read exciting sci-fi adventures in my normal life, but I like to read before I fall asleep to get me feeling sleepy, and it absolutely cannot be anything exciting or it won't serve its purpose. Children's books and novels from Victorian England are the best I've found. Do you guys also want to read something different than your normal wheelhouse before bed? And do you have any good sleepy book wrecks? Bria, this is all you. Yeah, I do. I read something different from my... I often try to read something different from my wheelhouse before bed too. Um, I find that sometimes I'll if I read a nonfiction book, uh, I can get through like a chapter or two before bed and it kind of like puts me in sleep mode. Um, but yes, definitely. This is a, uh, this is something that happens to me. And if the book is too exciting, yeah, maybe I can't read it at night. Um, but it's also, I also find this is a way for me to get in like a different book at night. If I just go and read a different book that will be a little boring, a little sleepy. Um, I feel weird recommending a sleepy book. Uh, because well, it feels like it's, you're being offensive to the person. Like, this book is boring, but, um, <laughs> Uh, it's not what I'm saying. I think that there are certain books that just like the writing style is sort of in a way, it's interesting. So I tried, I tried to recommend something within this, uh, wheelhouse that, um, Lori wrote in the children's books and novels in Victorian England. Uh, so it's in the real house, but the book I wanted to recommend is Wildwood by Colin Malloy, who came on the show because it's a little fantasy and it's not quite for children. I don't have a ton of children's book recommendations. It's for seventh graders, but I think it would fall into this category because of the writing style, and it's quite long. <laughs> so you can have it for a while. Yeah, and there's some exciting parts, but I feel like it actually fits this sort of, like, it is almost in Lori's wheelhouse with, like, the sci-fi, you know, adventure, but it's not so adventure that it it is like, oh, no, what like, you're, you're freaking out about what's going to happen next. I think it could fall into this category. Again, not insulting this book. I just think it is a different kind of adventure story that could live in this before bedtime in a nice way. That makes sense. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I love this question. Um, I wouldn't say my, my, it's too different from my normal wheelhouse, but I definitely have a bedtime wheelhouse. It's something mm -hmm. I haven't thought about before until I saw this question. Um, would it be instead of a, would it just be your bed house? <laughs> your bed wheel, your wheel bed? Uh, yeah, maybe your bed house. No, that's a little weird. But I don't know. <laughs> um, this is so, yeah, my bedtime wheelhouse is when I like to read my feminist essay collections and my nonfiction. Um, I think because for me, it's the perfect time to read a little chunk of something that makes you think. Uh, in fact, I think it's better for me to read those kinds of books before bedtime because I read them in a huge chunk. It's like just too many ideas to process properly. Mm. Uh, I like it better when I do a chapter or even a few pages yeah. at, at a time and then mm -hmm. I can really think about it and process it and like fall asleep thinking about it. Um, one I'd recommend for Lori is um, one of my new favorite nonfiction authors. It's Tressie McMillan Cottom. Uh, her book Thick, which is an essay collection about black womanhood and beauty and body image. It's truly the most brilliant essay collection I've ever read and it's so smart. It's the kind of book that you want to read in chunks and really think about. I think it took me like a month to get through it because I was reading like just a few pages before bed each night and like really digesting it. I would recommend if Lori has any, I mean, 
definitely read Thick because it's fucking amazing. Um, but if, Lori, if you have any special interests, any essay collections, anything like that that you want to check out, um, reading it, reading a chapter before bed, I think is probably perfect for you. If you want us to answer your recommendation request, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, as always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, totes, shirts, stickers, <laughs> pillows, mugs, all kinds of really cool reading glasses stuff. And folks, if you have stuff, tag us on Instagram. We see really cool stories and posts of people with their reading glasses mugs and their shirts and their sweatshirts. We love seeing them and they're really cool. We love our own reading glasses sweatshirts. Bria posted a photo of herself the other day in her in our library user sweatshirt in red. Wicked mm-hmm. cute check that out and uh, the link in the show notes again if you are using um a, an app that isn't apple podcasts uh, maybe you're using spotify or something um that doesn't show the show notes all you got to do is go to maximumfun.org um and find the reading glasses page under podcasts and all our episode pages are there and all the links to all the things we talk about and all the books we talk about are there um and if you like the show and you're like man like these ladies, Mallory and Bria, they've been helping me through the this girls. tough time. The, the girls. girls, the gals, yes. and they—I I love this show. I love getting. Maybe we've helped you find a book that you really like, um, and you want to do something nice for us. That's for free. All you got to do is review the podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, wherever you review podcasts. It really is fantastic for us. It helps us reach more listeners and advertisers. It grows the show um, besides making us feel really nice. So that's something that you can do for us for free. You can also email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. Thanks for reading.